have your Bibles with me tonight, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, as we read verses 12 through 16. I want to preach to you tonight on this thought, the purpose of praise. The purpose of praise. If you would, please stand in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12 through 16 reads this way. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to Him in the temple and He healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And he said, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus answered and said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected Praise. Let us pray. Lord, we need You tonight. Father, we pray that You'd speak to us tonight. Lord, we've gathered together to worship You. We've gathered together to hear Your Word. And Father, we pray that tonight You would speak to our hearts, Lord. And God, that You would challenge us, that You would equip us. Lord, that Your Spirit would speak to each of ours, Lord, in the way that only You can. God, we pray above all things tonight for those that are afar off from You, Lord, that they be afar off in a backslidden condition, or Lord, if they be lost and need to be saved, that tonight, God, Your Spirit would draw them to You, Lord. And Father, that the veil would be rent in their heart, and God, they'd come to know You freely and completely and fully in the free pardon of sin. Lord, I pray that You'd anoint me even now with the unction of heaven, Lord to preach not in man's wisdom, Lord, not out of my mind, not even out of my own soul, but, Lord, in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, Lord. God, doing what only You can, Lord. I just pray that You'd energize me. Lord, I yield myself to You, my hands, my feet, this mouth of mine, and pray, God, that You would use me for Your glory tonight. God, we pray for the miracle of hearing, God. Lord, that You'd help us to hear in our hearts. Help us to see in our hearts, Lord. Help us to receive the living Word of God tonight. Lord, do a work in this place. Be magnified and glorified. We ask it in the precious name above all names, the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach tonight on this simple thought, the purpose of praise. I want to preach primarily on the thought that in the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. But before we get there, I want to at least note a few things in the text tonight. I was actually saved at the preaching of this text. I will never forget it. And I was overwhelmed as I watched the preacher preach about a God that is fair as he preached about Jesus driving out sin from within the church. And I saw for the first time in my life a picture of a God that was fair. All of my life I knew that I was considered a sinner. I knew that I was considered a wicked man. 
I knew that I was guilty of wicked deeds, but I knew so many who were in the church who lived no different than me. They called themselves Christians. They claimed that they had uh, had a relationship with God. But when the rubber hit the road and when you look at the way they lived, they were no different than I was. And I thought, how can God possibly allow these certain folks into heaven and reject me? And for the first time in my life, when this text was preached by the Reverend Danny Ledbetter, I saw a God that was fair, a God who sees all sin, a God who judges all sin, a God who is not tricked by our religious motions, a God who is not deceived by our church attendance or by what we do, but a God who sees straight through the hypocrisy of each and every one of us and was willing to judge it. And we see that Jesus came in and He made this statement, My Father's house should be a house of prayer. He said, But you have made it a den of thieves. I'm here to tell you tonight that if we're ever going to see revival in our own hearts, if we're ever going to see a fresh move of God in the church, and we've seen one this week, it will always start when we return to prayer. It will always start when we start having a humble dependence upon the Almighty God and we're willing to bow a knee to Him and say, God, we can't do it. You're going to have to do it. And the house of God must be a house of prayer. We also see that the hypocrisy must be driven out for there to be power in the house of God. The hypocrisy has to be driven out for there to be power in the house of God. Understand that none of us are perfect. Understand that the man that stands in front of you tonight, I have weaknesses like every other human being on this earth. I am still flesh and bone. But there is a difference between having weaknesses and being an all-out hypocrite who says that you're one thing in front of others and lives a life completely different when you're all alone. And in order for the power of God to flood our lives, in order for the power of God to come upon a ministry or a church or a man or a woman, we must be willing to drive the hypocrisy right out of it. And it's true corporately. It's true of any ministry. But more importantly tonight, it is, it is, it is applicable to you as an individual. If you ever want to see the power of God flood your soul, if you really want to be used by God, if you want God to flow in you and through you and out of you to bring Him honor and glory and to build His kingdom, you must be willing to drive the hypocrisy out of your life, out of your heart, out of your house. And until we do, we'll never really see the power of God. Jesus made the house a house of prayer. He drove the hypocrisy out. And then we begin to see praise enter the house. You see, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, Jesus said, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Brother Brian said it last night. It's not about a style. It's not necessarily about contemporary or southern gospel. It's not even about music. But what it really comes down to, if you want to really worship God, if you want to really worship, you've got to worship in spirit. You've got to be saved. 
You've got to worship with your spirit and you've got to worship in truth. You can't be a hypocrite. You can't be living a double life and truly be worshiping God. I want you to notice something though as we're moving towards praise. Look at that statement, for the Father is seeking such. For the Father is seeking such. God is seeking for worshipers. God is seeking for people who will praise Him, who will worship Him, who will magnify Him, who will glorify His holy name, who will do it in spirit and in truth. And I ask myself the question tonight, with God in this house, and His... And his And as he looks out across this crowd, has he found anybody who's willing to worship him in spirit and in truth? Who's willing to lay down the pride? Who's willing to quit worrying about what everyone else thinks and just think about what God thinks and worship him like he is the God that he is? The Father is seeking them. Does he find a worshiper when he looks at you? Notice that once the house is a house of prayer, It becomes a house of power and healing. The Bible says that they saw all the wonderful things that He did. And as He did the wonderful things, and as all those were healed, it becomes a house of praise. They said to Jesus, they said, do you not hear what these are saying? You know what He said? Yes. Yeah, I hear it. I understand something. God hears you when you worship Him. He does. He hears. Your praise reaches the ear of Jesus. Real worship and real praise, when it's from your heart, when it's from the Spirit, when it's done in spirit and truth, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, heaven hears it. Jesus hears our praise. But what is the purpose of praise? Notice that we have perfected praise from the innocent lips of children. Notice that we have perfected praise after the temple has been cleansed. Notice that we have perfected praise in response to the great and wonderful works of God. But I want you to notice this. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, listen to this statement, you have perfected praise. That's God. It is God who has perfected praise. Now I ask you the question tonight, has God perfected your praise? Has God perfected your praise? I ask that you listen to me carefully tonight. I ask that you not be offended and understand I'm just going to give you my heart. I ask that you hear me out on the whole matter. But I want you to understand something. We serve a God that expects you to praise Him. Not just me. Not me for you. Not just you to sing sing along as we sing a song or two. But God expects you to praise Him. You were made and created to bring Him honor and glory. Now we must answer on the very start today, what is praise? Let's get it clear. What is praise? Praise is an outward expression of an inward gratitude. It is an action. Praise is not a thought. Praise is not an inner feeling. 
Praise is not mental assent that Jesus is Lord. Praise is an action. It is a noise. It is a shout. It is a song. It is a declaration of greatness. It is when I am thankful for something in a deep way and I'm so grateful for it that it's got to get out of me. You've got to understand it is impossible to praise God. It's impossible to praise anyone. Your husband, your wife, your children, anybody. You cannot praise without saying something, without clapping a hand, without making a noise. So praise is an outward expression of an inward gratitude. What am I saying tonight? It doesn't matter if you're a quiet person. God does not make an exception. There is not a section in heaven when we get there for the quiet folks that let it watch everyone else worship. I'll get there later. I promise that I will. I'm not mad at you tonight, but I want you to see there's power in praise. What is the purpose of it? Most Christians believe that praising God and being thankful is good. However, many think it's optional. They think it's something we can decide to do or not to do. But I'm here to tell you today, the truth is, praising God is not an option. It is a command of the Scriptures. It is like, it's not an option to be obedient to God if you're going to serve Him. It's not an option to follow God and to, and to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength. It is a command from God Himself. It's not an option to repent of your sins. The Bible says that God declares all men everywhere to repent of their sins. And it is not an option to praise God. We are commanded hundreds of times throughout the Scriptures to praise Him. But why? Four reasons tonight. Praise affects us, number one. You see, praising ultimately is about God, but praise affects us, those who are willing to praise. It is our highest calling. The church that does not praise God, and consequently the child that does not praise God, will be cursed. You don't believe it? In Deuteronomy, we see that uh, in, in chapter 28, in just a moment, we're going to look at a verse. But in Deuteronomy, there was a curse that came from God upon Israel. And there were a handful of reasons for it. It was not one given thing. And so I want to be clear about that tonight. But one of the things that God named when He said they would be cursed with a curse, His people, Israel, God's chosen people, they would be cursed because they refused to praise Him the way He was worthy to be praised. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47 says specifically. Because you did not serve the Lord your God, listen, with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. This was a direct rebuke concerning the complaining and the murmuring of the people of Israel once they come out on the other side of the Red Sea. And they were chronically complaining. They were chronically upset. They were upset with Moses. They were upset with Aaron. They were upset with God. They were constantly whining. And God here is calling down a curse upon them because they refuse to be thankful to do what they did with joy and gratitude. I'm telling you that God not only hears our thankfulness, God not only hears our gratefulness and our praise for His holy name, but God hears our murmuring. And there is a curse for the church that will not praise the Lord. There's a curse on the life of the child of God that will not praise the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and 8, 
The children of Israel were told to thank God for the abundance, listen, they will receive. Not just for what God had done, but for what God was going to do. We need to learn to be thankful even in the midst of our storms, even in the midst of life's journey, even in the midst of difficulty, for the fact that our God is good. He's not done with me yet. And I'm going to thank you, God, that even though it might be a little difficult now, I know you're still good. I know you're going to bless. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're going to take care of me. I know that you're going to meet my needs. And I'm not going to wait until it happens to thank you for being good. I will praise you in advance. Praise also affects us because it makes us humble. You see, when we praise God, we're acknowledging that really all good things we have come because of Him. I believe the man or woman that doesn't really praise God takes a whole lot more credit for the good things in their life than they say they do. Really, truly praising God. Being willing to publicly praise His name and lift a hand of thanks and to tell God that you're grateful. It humbles us. It reminds us that I was wretched without God. That I was hopeless without Christ. But He intervened in my life. And when there was no hope, He gave hope. When I wasn't worth loving, He loved me. When I wasn't worth saving, He saved me. Everything that I have, all good things I have, come from Him alone. And I better praise Him for it lest He pull them away. Praise makes us humble. Can I tell you the truth? You may not praise God just because of your pride. That's the real reason people don't praise God. And I'm just going to be real with you tonight. That's the main reason folks don't praise God, because they're prideful. They don't want to look silly. They're too concerned about what everyone else who ain't praising Him is going to think. And I don't want to stick out. I don't want to look different. Now, I want to say something. For years, I think it's a, it's, it's, um, what would I say? Just give me a moment to think about how I'm going to address this issue. I've heard for years the analogy of, you know, you go to a ball game and shout, so why won't you shout for God? Get excited and, and, and scream, you know, when your favorite team scores a touchdown or whatever. In some ways, that's a poor analogy, and I'm going to tell you why. Because at best, at best, if that's you, trying to somehow tie the deep and, and honest praise and worship of spirit and truth for the Creator of my soul to some fleshly sporting event and then try to say that the way I act at some fleshly sporting event should be the same way I act towards God, there's a problem with that. But here's the other thing. Not everybody likes to yell and shout at a sporting event. That's me. You want to know the truth? I don't even like to sit by people that yell and shout at a sporting event. That's the truth. Me and Branson have had a... We, I've had to learn how to be friends with this guy over the years. And that's the truth. The very first time Branson Sears was over, over at my house watching football was when Brett Favre was playing for the Jets. True story. There was a completion 25 yards about down the field. It was not a touchdown. It was a 25-yard completion down the middle of the field. It was not the fourth quarter. There was not two minutes left. The Jets were not down. It was just a 20-yard completion. And this is no joke. He screamed so loud it made my children cry. 
Because my kids don't hear me scream like that. I don't watch football like that. They, they never heard nothing like that in their life. And he says, yeah! And Tyron ran into his room scared to death. That's the truth. It doesn't matter. I'm the type of person. It don't matter if there's 15 seconds left in the ball game and they're down by a few points and they're driving. I'm telling you, I'm calm. I'm collected. And I'm, I'm watching. I'm focused. I'm in. It don't matter if I'm at the, if I'm at the stadium or I'm sitting there watching TV by myself. I'm just not a yellow when it comes to sports. But something's different when I really get a hold of how much God loves me and what He did in my life. I am the type of person who used to use that. That's just not me. I'm just not that way. And I'm, just, I'm here to tell you tonight, there's just not a biblical bone for it anywhere. There, there's no basis for it. God created us to praise Him. God created us to lift His holy name. And while I might not want to shout, while I might not want to raise a hand, while I might not want to clap, and I might not want to scream for anything else in this world... I, when I really get a hold of who He is, when I understand He's commanded me to praise, it's not an option. It's not optional. It's not about my mentality or my personality or if I'm this way or that way. It's about who He is and He's worthy to be praised. I've got to be willing to praise Him no matter what comes out. I've got to be willing to lift a hand, to shout, to sing a song, some way, somehow praise is an outward expression of an inward gratitude. Pride was what kept me from praising God. You know, the other reason some folks don't praise God, and I, and I want to be honest about this, is that you don't know how. And I'm not making fun. Because I was that person. And nobody likes to do anything they feel silly doing. I mean, imagine being, you never played baseball, and all of a sudden somebody throws you on a team, and it's time to go up there and swing the bat and try to hit the ball. I'm saying, no, put in that guy. He knows how to hit. You know, I don't want to go out there and embarrass myself in front of everybody. These guys are pros. And so out of an awkwardness of that's just not me, that's not what I do, I've never been that way, sometimes it's out of an awkwardness and a fear of trying to do something that doesn't come natural. Here's what I want to tell you about that. Get started somewhere. You don't have to run down the aisles and shouts. You don't have to be like the person to your left or the person to your right. But somehow, some way, begin working on your praise for God. Begin working on how you, with the gifts that God has given you, with the voice that God has given you, with the hands that God has given you, to somehow begin doing that thing and begin working praise. And you'll find this that as you start doing it, as you start allowing yourself to be free and just praise God the way He deserves to be praised, that it will begin to transform the way that you worship Him. It will begin to transform the way that you praise Him. If you've always been negative, you've got to practice thinking on positive things. Philippians 4 tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice tells you to think on whatever things are praiseworthy. To think on those things. It takes work to develop an attitude of praise. It takes work to develop a lifestyle of praise. Praise sets us free from this world and it brings us into the heavenlies. 
There's something supernatural that happens when people really praise God. Psalm 104 tells us that we enter His courts with thanksgiving and His, and His gates with praise. In other words, we enter into the realm of God by being thankful and by praising Him. And I want to say it again, that is an outward expression. It's not just a thought. It's not just a lovely feeling that God is good. But it's something that goes beyond that. It's something bigger than that. It's when that becomes so real and so deep and so passionate that somehow I've got to get it out. I've got to praise God. I've got to lift up His holy name. And I'm telling you, when we do that, supernatural things happen. It seems like God, even though we know that He is with us, even though we know that He's never going to leave us or forsake us, when the church of God begins to praise Him and really praise Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth, He manifests Himself in a very special and significant way. I've watched God do some of the greatest things I've ever seen when the people just praise Him like He's worthy of being praised. Praise gives life to new strength. Praise gives new hope in our hearts. Praise will build you up spiritually and keep you from crumbling. Brother Josh mentioned it on Sunday night. The Apostle Paul was persecuted and suffered far more than the most of us. Yet he put it in perspective in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. You remember Josh reading this, those of you who are here Sunday night. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, Paul said that our affliction is just for a moment in light of eternity. He looked into the spiritual realm. And that's what praise really does. Praise is willing to say, when everything falls apart, praise His holy name. When it looks like you can't go on, God is still God. God is still good. And you start praising Him because you see the reality of the fact that in the spiritual realm, God is not shaken. He is still in control. Though the world around me may be raging and falling apart, my God is still on His throne. He's not confused. He's not surprised. He's not shaken. He's in control. And I will worship Him because of it. Praise will push you into the spiritual realm. Brother Brian mentioned it last night. Paul and Silas praised God in prison. You see, it was the praise of God that released the power of God. It was the praise of God that released the power of God. Now, God was all-powerful before they began to praise. It's not like somehow all of a sudden when they praised, it just inflated God's muscles and then He was strong enough to do something. I don't understand it all, but what I do know is that the Word of God teaches us that the praise of God's people somehow releases the power of God in our realm. And when we're willing to praise Him, when we're willing to give Him glory, when we're willing to quit being ashamed of what everybody thinks and how we're going to look to this world and we just cut loose and we put our eyes heavenward and we worship Him and we sing hymns in the midnight hour, that somehow the power of God is released upon the church of God. Praise not only affects us, it affects others. We know that. Last night in Acts chapter 16, the chains came off all that were bound. The jailer and his family were saved. You see, praise creates an atmosphere where God can work in special ways. 
Praise creates an atmosphere where God can work in special ways. I want you to think about this meeting. I want you to think about it, those of you that have been here. Imagine if everything was the same. All the preaching the same as it's been. Just as hard, just as hot. All the singing just as powerful as it's been. But not one person to their feet, not one hand raised, not one amen, not one shout, not one single praise. Just imagine this meeting. Would it be the same? It'd be nothing compared to what it's been. And I can't explain it, but I'll tell you the truth. The fact is, we wouldn't have had the preaching we've had. We wouldn't have had the singing we've had if it wasn't somehow connected to the praise of God's people. I don't understand it. These guys travel the world. They can tell you that's the fact. That something happens when God's people praise and the anointing's poured out on everybody involved. The singing's better. The worship's better. The preaching's better. There is something powerful about the church when it praises God. It creates an atmosphere where God can work in special ways. Praise not only affects us, praise not only affects others, but praise affects the devil. Last night, Brian so uh, awesomely put forth the the fact that Satan used to be Lucifer, the archangel of heaven, the main angel of heaven leading worship. And in essence, we've taken his job. And that's why he hates us so much when the church praises. But I'm going to tell you, the devil also hates praise because praise is a powerful weapon against the devil. Look at Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now in our opening text, Jesus, in response to the the, the indignant and furious men who were absolutely upset with the praise going on in the temple, His response to them was to quote, Psalm 8 and verse 2. But isn't it interesting that when Jesus quoted the verse, He interchanged the words perfected praise for ordained strength. In Psalm 8 and verse 2 it says, You have ordained strength. Jesus interchanged those words to say you have perfected praise. You see, this is a tremendous revelation. It teaches us something, that praise is strength. Hey, Jesus was the Word made flesh. Jesus was the living Word. He knew what He was quoting. There was no mistake from the spotless Lamb of God. There was no mistake from He who was there when the world was founded. There was no mistake in quoting Psalm 8-2. He understood that praise and strength were somehow connected and that praise is the strength of us. That's why God says in Nehemiah 8.10, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm telling you, the devil hates it when we praise because somehow praise unlocks an inner strength that was not there before. Somehow praise unlocks this, this strength that just flows out of us that says, when I thought I couldn't go on, I can still go on. When I thought I should have quit, I wasn't going to quit. When I thought it was all over, I was reminded that God was good. And I'm just going to keep going on. I'm going to be faithful to God because He's God. Because He's good. Because He's in control. No matter what I face in this life, strength comes from praise. 
Praise strengthens us against the devil's attacks. Can I tell you, just to be... Uh, I'll just say it. No need to qualify it. The weakest people in the church are always those who won't praise God. The weakest people in their faith are always those who refuse to praise God. And I'm not trying to... I'm, I'm trying to, to, to make a point. I'm not trying to make anybody feel negative. I'm not trying to destroy anybody here. But it is a fact. I've been doing this 14 years. Those who are unwilling to praise Him are almost always those who are chronically depressed. They're upset. they got something negative to say. They're the complainers. Because I'm telling you, when you learn to praise God, strength comes as a result of it. When you, when you learn to praise God despite everything that's going on, strength comes from it. You see, praise will destroy discouragement. Praise will destroy hopelessness. Praise will destroy despair. Some folks, some folks refuse to praise God because they want to stay in their despair. Some people really don't want to come out of their despair. They want everybody to validate it, to acknowledge it, and to have a reason for why you should be sad and upset. And so really they refuse to praise God because they don't want to acknowledge that really they can find peace and joy in the midst of their circumstance. But if you really want out. You see, I've seen people that really wanted out and they just didn't know how. If you really want out, if you'll learn to praise God, if you'll learn to focus on the positive, if you'll learn to meditate on what is true and lovely and pure and, and of good virtue, and if you'll learn to meditate on things that are praiseworthy and that you should be able to give thanks for, and you will let that come up out of you and you'll speak that out of your mouth. God, I thank You because You're good. God, I thank You because You love me. God, I thank You that You're always in control no matter what happens in my world. And you start to speak that, I'm telling you, you'll start to come up and creep up out of that despair. And I'm telling you, it will change the way that you live and think. Praise destroys and undoes the works of the devil. It's no wonder that he hates it so much. This cold and quiet religion of our day that is entirely empty of praise is not changing this world at all. This cold and quiet religion of our day is empty of praise. And it's not changing the world. See, praise is about our identity. Praise is about who we are because of who He is. Praise is about the reality that though I'm here in this world, I'm a child of the King of Kings. That my Father is the Maker of heaven and earth. That my brother is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Savior and now I'm His brother. I've been grafted into the family of God. It is about my identity. It is about who I am. It's a willingness to acknowledge I'm not what this world says I am. That I am more than a conqueror through Christ that I am able to do above and abundantly beyond all that I could ever think because God lives in me and works through me. God's favorite tribe was Judah. The word Judah means praise. That's exactly what it means. Judah was the tribe of praise. The man after God's own heart was David. You see, God loved David so much because David was a man of praise. Judah was the tribe of praise. In the Bible, the two largest tribes were Judah and then the tribe of Dan. 
How many, uh, how many of you have heard of the tribe of Judah? Show of hands. Okay, hands down. How many of you have heard of the tribe of Dan? About half. You see, in the Bible, Dan is the lost tribe. Dan is the tribe that you no longer hear, hear much of. After Judges chapter 18. Tonight I chose not to go through the entire chapter, but you go read Judges chapter 18 and you know what you'll find? The tribe of Dan went and took over a city of the Sidonians. And twice in that chapter, mixed in with the false worship and the idol worship of the Sidonians is this statement. They were a people quiet and secure. Quiet and secure. Judges chapter 18, you look it up. And Dan took on their idols. Dan took on the customs of the Sidonians. And Dan became the tribe that was quiet and secure. And they become the lost tribe of Israel because they lost their praise. I'm telling you that God wants everybody everywhere to praise Him. And there is something deadly, there is something dangerous about allowing our worship of God, the praise of God, to cease from the doors of the church, to cease from the lips of His people, where we become a quiet and secure people. The devil knows that he much, has a much better hold on the church when he can cause her to become quiet and secure. Satan's sin was jealousy of God. And Satan is still deeply jealous of God. Satan hates it when we worship God. Satan wants to be worshipped. I'm telling you, when we worship, it affects Satan. When we worship, we're giving God the honor and glory He doesn't want us to give. He wants us to be quiet. He wants us to, to, to sit down and just be quiet and secure and somehow be deceived into thinking we're still worshiping God. He wants the praise of God to cease from the house of God. I've learned that the power of praise is the best way to start a service. You see, praise makes the devil flee and it releases the anointing of God. Praise gets rid of the negative attitude. I've been in places before. Hey, I told you I'm flesh and blood. I've showed up with a negative attitude before. I've showed up just because I'm supposed to show up. And I think it's good to show up just because you're supposed to show up. But I've showed up with a negative attitude. And then the praise of God starts going. And God's name starts being lifted up. And I start looking at the words on the screen, thinking about what they say. And all of a sudden, that negative attitude starts to fall away. And I'm reminded I've got every reason reason in the world to bring God honor and praise and to lift up His name. There's power in praise. We need to become like David who rebuked his non-worshipping wife at the return of the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to read you 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 20-22. through 22. But you need to understand what had happened was in the text I'm about to read David had re regained the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines and he was bringing it back to its proper place and he was thrilled that God was victorious. He was thrilled that the Ark of the Covenant had been recovered from the enemies of God. He was thrilled that the power of God was going to be restored to the rightful place 
And he was worshiping. He was worshiping in ways that most of you'd be totally embarrassed of. And he was worshiping in such a way it embarrassed his wife. That's where we pick up in verse 20 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of his and of his, the maids and his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. You see, really worship gets right at the heart of the pride of man. She used the word shamelessly. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. I'm telling you, praise does humble us. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Now look what verse 22, 3 says. I'm telling you, there's a curse when you don't praise God. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. We need to be like David. He said, I will be even more undignified than this. I will be even more undignified. Some of you have no idea what it's like to be undignified. You're terrified to be undignified. It goes against your nature. Listen, it goes against mine too, believe it or not. It does. But I'm not here to worship you. You're not the one that... You're not the one that sent your son to shed his blood so that this wicked old evil sinner boy could be washed and stand righteous before the living God. You're not the one who secured my place in heaven and plucked me out of the flames of hell. It doesn't matter to me if my praise and my worship somehow is shameless to you. He deserves every last bit of it. And I shall be more undignified than this. Praise the Lord. Finally, tonight, and I'm done. Praise, most importantly, it affects God. Praise affects us. Praise affects others. Praise affects the devil. But tonight, most importantly, praise affects God. You see, the truth is that God desires to be praised. Some say that God does not need anything. And I suppose it depends the definition of the word need. But I'm going to say unashamedly, God does need our love. Any person who loves another has need to show that love and has a need to be loved in return. And I'm telling you something, God has shown us His love. And He deeply, deeply desires to be loved in return. You talk about shameless. You talk about being undignified. Your Savior was stripped naked and hung up on a cross for the whole world to mock because He loved you. And I'm telling you, I don't care how dignified you are, and I don't care what your background is, if you can't raise a hand to God sometime, if you can't squeak a shout out somehow, if you can't raise your voice to the heavens, you have lost sight of the reality that He is who He says He is. You've lost sight of what He's done. Your, your focus is turned inward and in what you look like and what you think and how you feel, and it's not outward towards Him. This was the reason for the creation of man in the first place. Brian taught us that last night, so I don't even need to go there tonight. If you weren't here, get this sermon. It was the reason we were created. 
Here's what I want to say. If it blesses God, it doesn't have to touch anyone else. You think about that. If your praise blesses God, it doesn't have to bless anyone else. Who cares what everyone else does? If it blesses Him, if He takes it, if He inhabits it, if He longs for it, if He desires it, if He created me for it, then if He's blessed by it, it doesn't matter if it touches anybody else in this world. I'm going to do it because the One who first loved me desires that I love Him back. Praise is the language of heaven. It's the never-ceasing activity. It is the supreme duty of the redeemed for all of eternity. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, this is the last passage tonight and I'm done. I want you to look what heaven's going to look like. Verse 1 says, After these things I heard something like, listen, a loud voice. Not a whisper, but a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because His judgments are true and righteous. For He has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality. And He has avenged the blood of His own bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, you've got to say it. It's got to come out. Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God. All you His bondservants. You see the commands to all of us. I'm telling you, it's not to one. It's not to the group of people who are eccentric. It's not to the group of people who are type A personality. We all have a responsibility to come together and praise Him. Give praise to our God, all you His bondservants. You who fear Him, the small and the great. Now here, I'll pay a special attention to verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude. And the sound of many waters. And like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. The voice of a great multitude. Like the sound of many waters. He's trying to somehow help us get a grasp of what the praise of heaven looks like. He said it was like thunder. It was like a thousand waters. It was like a great multitude. In other words, everybody was praising God. Everybody was saying something. I pray that somehow, someway, the church of God can again get to that place where everybody's praising. Where it sounds like a mighty rushing wind. Where it sounds like thunder. Where we're not afraid to praise Him. Where we're not afraid to lift up our voice. Where we're not afraid to to lift a hand, to clap a hand. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. The reason it's so loud is because there won't be anybody hindered by their pride anymore. There won't be any there on that day sitting quietly saying that's just not how I am. God will change us all that day. But here's what I want you to think. If that's the chief aim, 
If this is where God is taking His church, if this is the end goal of heaven, see, praise isn't ultimately about us. It affects us. It affects others. It affects the devil. But ultimately, it's about God. And if all of eternity, this is the chief aim of God's saints, is that we, along with the angels, worship Him and praise Him forever. Should we not get started here? God, help us to quit making excuses for why we're afraid to give You glory. What else do we really have to give God? What else has He really asked of us except that we love Him in return and that we're willing to praise Him? He simply wants our praise. As the Parsons come, He's worthy of our praise, church. God is worthy of our praise. No matter what you're going through tonight, He's worthy of your praise. No matter how difficult your life is right now, He's worthy of your praise. doesn't matter what you're facing, He's worthy of your praise. Because He's good. Because He's God. He's worthy today. He's worthy tomorrow. He'll be worthy next week. He'll be worthy the week after that. He'll be worthy next year. And He'll be worthy forevermore. He is worthy of our praise. I tell you, I've got something to praise Him about tonight. When I wasn't lovely, He loved me. Thank God that He made a way for you and I to be saved. Thank God that when He looked at the wickedness of the world, and I'm telling you folks, the world's a wicked place. Each and every one of us are wicked people outside of Jesus Christ. The flesh has nothing good in it. When we were wicked, when we were sinners, when we were guilty before God, He devised a plan. He came into our world. He took on human flesh. He came and lived a sinless life for 30 years. He taught us what it looked like to love your neighbor. He taught us the Word. And then He laid down His life for you and I. I'm grateful tonight for the blood of Jesus. I'm grateful tonight for the cross of Calvary. I'm grateful tonight that He rose from the dead to give me new life. I'm grateful tonight that He ascended unto heaven that the Holy Ghost might come and fill His people. I'm grateful that God loves me when I wasn't worth loving. That God's been good to me when I wasn't good to Him. That God's been faithful when I've been faithless. He's worthy of my praise. I've had my hard times. I've had my bad times. I've had my failures. I've fallen on my face before God. But He's good tonight. He's never failed me. He's never turned on me. He's always been faithful. And tonight He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. May we become more undignified than this. I pray that the Word of God tonight penetrates our hearts. I pray that we quit making lame excuses. I pray that some of you that have used the same excuses I used for years would just stop it. Quit explaining away why you can't praise God. I know it might be awkward. I'll never forget the first time I shouted. I'll never forget it. I thought, well, what's that person thinking? What's that? That, that was just weird. But I'm telling you, it was in me. Some of you all are like a pop bottle that's been shaken up and your pop was popped about to blow, but you just don't want it to. You're holding on. Nope, not going to let it go. That's not me. Just let it go. You'll feel better, I promise. Father, move all across this room in Jesus' name. I believe I've said what you'd have me to say. God, I pray that you'd revive praise amongst your people.